I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum! Astral Radio Z is a horror, cult, exploitation film podcast by filmmakers, critics, musicians, journalists, and fans for the film obsessed. Welcome to another episode of Astro Radio Z. I'm your host, as always, Derek Carey, and here we are. We've reached the finish line. This is it, Kaput Fiend, the end of our witchcraft journey. With me are the same crew of guys that have slugged through every last single second and felt it to the very core of their being. Brian Kirst, big gay horror fan. How are you tonight? I'm okay. I'm feeling a little down because unlike Will Spanner in 12, I don't have a nipple ring, but thanks. Besides that, 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 was it. <laughs> that was it. Was that what you were talking about, Scott? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I knew it. It was going to be you too, Brian. <laughs> yeah. Before the show started, Scott Davis was, uh, it was telling me there was one thing that I missed in the Brad Sykes interview on witchcraft 12. And it was the nipple ring that Will Spanner had. And, I just um, upright in my seat like what the hell is we he has nipple rings wait no one one nipple ring. i honestly scott i did have that in my notes for when i was going to talk to brad and i'm like you know what ah, fuck it i don't need to bring that up so scott oh. davis how are you doing tonight I, I do have my nipple ring on so i'm thank you Good. so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it i feel like i've climbed a mountain and i'm ready to uh, discuss these movies all right let's get this all out glenn bittner how are you doing tonight my friend Wishing I had a fire lasso so I could uh, hang myself. (laughs) (laughs) The night's young. And last but not least, Mark the Movie Man, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fine. I have my frozen frou-frou drink so uh, we can get through these movies and fire this pink mark no it's red it's okay. red it's it's uh, it's a strawberry daiquiri because i'm that hardcore if you remember correctly from a, a little show that aired in the 90s called kids in the hall there was a specific uh skit that the boys did called girl drink drunk that is mark the movie man is the girl oh. drink drunk <laughs> that is me. so tonight what we're going to do with this episode is we're going to finish out talking about the witchcraft films we only have two left and that's witchcraft 12 and witchcraft 13 then we're going to finally do an overall ranking of all these films and we're going to get it all out we're we're gonna we're gonna spit we're gonna punch each other and we're just going to get all of the frustration out of watching 13 of possibly the worst films we've ever watched in our entire life so sit back get your drink of choice and get ready because we're going to talk about witchcraft 12 centuries I've waited for this moment. Tonight, we begin a new era, an eternity of darkness. Are you done yet? Usually, I'll wait till they're dead to do this, but in your case, I'll make an exception. Ah! 
Don't die yet, Will. Not yet. I want to savor this moment. If you had listened to uh, my interview with Brad Sykes a few episodes ago, you had heard me discuss with him his film Witchcraft 12 in the Layer of the Serpent, in which he made for Jerry Pfeiffer and Vista Street Entertainment in 2002. Um, Boys, I kind of laid it out there with him already. And if listeners of Astro Radio Z, if you haven't heard my thoughts on Witchcraft 12, go back to the Brad Sykes interview. I'm going to talk about it here tonight, but you'll hear the full deal and you'll actually get to hear why there were some really stupid decisions made with this movie in that episode. But for now... I'm going to actually do something different than I have on the other episodes. I am going to go over to Mark the Movie Man. And Mark the Movie Man, what is the plot of Witchcraft 12 in The Lair of the Serpent? We have uh, a series of murders happening in the city. I know that's original. We haven't had that before. And we have Will Spanner, who has a friend whose brother has gone missing and then winds up dead. And Will Spanner investigates further because he's that type of an investigator. And soon he comes across that there is a cult of women who follow this mysterious guy in a mask. And they lure men to their deaths so the guy can suck their souls. And Will Spanner tries to hunt this guy down via trying to find the women. And he ends up in the lair of the serpent. And you can probably guess the main baddie based off of the title of the movie. That's what I could piece together. Oh, yeah, there was sex involved. So Yes, there was sex involved. Here, here, for, for, yes, sex. For, I, yeah, I'm definitely. sorry. That's the best I could summarize it. because That's actually that was, not too bad, Mark. That's pretty good. I want to start off by saying Witchcraft 12 has the most obscure, weird, random opening in any movie I've ever seen ever just a guy and a girl talking about drinking we get a cheesy zoom up on a club and then a powerpoint frame of a picture with a pentagram with the aerial font witchcraft 12 on it the possibly the worst cold open of a film i've ever seen and the, the the explanation for this is which brad told me was he was not part of editorial on this film whatsoever he delivered the film then uh, jerry pfeiffer and whoever was was in editorial took it and then edited in because the the credit sequence that comes immediately after that stock cold open with that horrible uh, title slate, the credit sequence, which is in a strip club, that was film and it was shot. He it, Brad, what did Brad say? Possibly twenty years before. <laughs> yeah, so like it. It absolutely looks nothing like the rest of the movie, and it it even doesn't uh, match up with the subsequent shots of the the two opening characters in the club. He originally wrote this film to be in a club, not a strip club. That shit was added afterward. So you would wonder why, you know, it kind of makes sense. Why would a brother and sister go to a strip club together? <laughs> <laughs> right? <Yeah>. I know. <laughs> it, it might be a, 
might be a close family. Because uh, mom's and performing it, again tonight. Yeah, you know. She was the one in the whipped cream. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's so grandma. You know, it's a strip club, too. Like, the, guys all sounded, the guys all sounded like hoopy monkeys in the strip club. I'm like... They did the audio like in the zoo, and they decided to put that in for the men cheering for the strippers. Do you ever so notice that in the movies? I'm sorry, I just want to say, do you ever notice that? I just thought of this, that always in the movies, it's like always the guys going, woo, yeah. Guys, I don't know if all of you have been to a strip club or not. I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt. But let me tell they don't you. Hoop. No, everybody, I don't, it's like they're stalking prey. It's just like, <laughs> straightforward glare at must have, <laughs> must want. That's Put some it. bait I mean, out. Put some bait out. If there's ever something in hollering, it's usually because they're drunk and they get bounced pretty quick. Oh my god, I just <laughs> snorted. I just snorted. That was funny. Um, <laughs> No, that's right. No, you're 100% right. So this brother and sister are at this strip, this quote-unquote strip club together, and um, the brother gets up because he he sees some hot chick, this blondie, go into a hallway, and he goes to follow her, and immediately she's putting the moves on him. Are you for real? Is this real enough for you? She leads him out because, you know, they're going to fuck. And he just ditches the sister at the strip club. I'm sure the sister wanted to be at that strip club. Um, all by herself. She's comfortable there. So, you know. She leads him to the lair of the serpent or wherever because she's part of this this cult that are, you know, looking to sap the, the souls of all these, you know, horny men. Um, it's the setup to get to the sex scenes, obviously. And this movie has quite a bit of them uh brian Wait, what were your thoughts here? of this i like individual moments of the film um my favorite was the really like childish slow moving stripper kyra with the huge jugs who like looked um totally disinterested in anything even in dying so do i uh, pay you now or you think i do this for money don't be insulting. I do this for the thrill, for the danger. But you're not dangerous, are you? It was almost like she was <laughs> oh so bored. She was relieved to be killed. <laughs> now, is that but, the um, one that was that did the muscle bound dude? She's yeah. the one with the bigger rack, right? She's got huge rack. Yeah, I did she some did research on her because I loved her. Like uh, uh, yeah, her name is Zenova Braden. Ooh. And the big thing on IMDb, as I mentioned earlier, was she's in Bang My Tranny Ass. <laughs> <laughs> she's got a website, too, where you and she even gives you her, her address to send her stuff. So, <laughs> oh, my gosh. For all those interested. At, and you can contact uh, her at bangmytrannyass like, at gmail.com. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one hell of a marketing device right there. Um, so, no, there's a scene like Will Spanner, of course, is again in this film for no reason. He just pops out of nowhere. And uh, he's a longtime friend of the sister whose brother just got killed. Who's never been mentioned before. Never yeah. been mentioned before. And they were an old flame because at this point, Kelly, who was in the last film, is gone. She's yeah. 
no mention of her. And the reason for this is, as Brad explained in uh, the interview we did, um, he didn't want to do anything with any of the history. He just he was told he needed to use uh, the Will Spanner character, put a put tits in it every ten to fifteen minutes, and that's it. And uh, he decided, you know what, I want nothing to do with the rest of the series, so I'm just going to write my own story and make my own history. Which uh, kudos to him, because honestly, I'll be I'll put this out there. This was like the third my third favorite of this entire series <laughs> because Lutz and Garner are finally gone. Instead, we, we have a, the, the, they were replaced with um, this other cop character and perhaps the most angry captain that ever sat in an office. That's mayor Atkins to you two schmucks. He's ready to tear me a new one because of this mess. Will and I have been working overtime on this thing. Then maybe you should take a rest. Oh, he was worthless. The the cop character luckily was relegated to a very small role. Back to the bang, uh, my tranny ass girl. Um, there's a scene where she, her her big. I had a dollar. There's a scene where Will Spanner is getting it on with the sister because she was an old flame. That all of a sudden hard cuts into uh, the chick chick with the huge knockers getting just ram fucked by this by this big yeah. muscle f- bound dude. And I mean, she he is just tearing her a new. And that's just an example of how horribly edited this movie is. It's it's unfortunate. It was one of the big things that Brad brought up is that this film, he delivered a film he thought, you know, was pretty good. And I, I agree with him to an extent. There's there's a lot of setups. There's a lot of locations. The camera's moving all over the place for a shot on video film. I mean, it's it, let's. Make no qualms. This is a very low budget film, um, and the acting—it's—it's eh, it's a little dicey to to put it mildly. But um, honestly, I I thought it was entertaining because it was brisk. It kept moving. Um, the girls, for the most part, other than the the one that was getting just completely ram fucked by He Man, um, <laughs> they they were good. They were good looking and. It honestly, there was enough sleaze and there's enough cheese for me. There was, I mean, for the first time, Will Spanner finally has powers. He finally like shoots lasers and lightning bolts out of his hands, and he drinks some potion that gives him clairvoyant powers to be able to see uh, what had happened in the past and and all this jazz. So. Finally, I think for once, and it was just completely by accident because Brad had no like tie to any of the other films. He finally brought us the Will Spanner character we should have had in part two. Yes. Yeah, and I loved how he was did not seem aware of that in the interview until you brought it up. Really, this is the first one. It's <laughs> the power. It's like, yep. <laughs> what did you think, Glenn, about about how they finally handled Will Spanner in this movie? Oh, God, lightning hands. All they ever talked about from 10 through 11 was how this powerful warlock, Will Spanner, we must stop Will Spanner. He's so powerful. And like, he was not even a good lawyer. <laughs> <laughs> he could ba- barely stand up right in a broom closet trying to fight a guy. And I will say, there, there is one part of the history that uh, they did include in this. 
Will Spader puts a woman in danger. <laughs> he certainly does. And he has no qualms about hitting, uh, about sleeping with anything with a pulse. For yeah. any commitments or anything, he but yeah, it, it, even it after actually, the girl, he nails the hooker. I, I had to, I had to pause it and rewind. I'm like, did he just actually do something? Will Spader <laughs> did something. You know, after hearing that interview, and then you watch, I watched the film again. You could see the potential there. It's the editing is horrible, but you could see where the glimpses of potential are there. I mean, we do have a Will Spanner who's doing something. You know, and he's got his powers, and we're actually seeing those powers. You know, you have the amusing kind of cop angle, which the cop in this one, I think, was more interesting than the cops we have seen previous to now. I mean, there are a lot of bits and pieces in here that I think if there was a a better editing, the story could have been a lot better. But you do see some of the scenes in there that are, uh, there's a lot of potential in there if you take out the stock stripper footage and the random opening. I, I did like this for the most part. Just it felt like someone was actually trying for once, and, and you could tell when the th- nudity was forced. Unfortunately, uh, when it was almost put in there. Okay, yep, we've hit the ten minute mark, and no one's taking their top off yet. Uh, you know, but other than that, I enjoyed it. You know, for the potential that I could see there. I mean, it's actually trying to be a movie <laughs> versus TNA. And Will Spanner. Well, I mean, it was it had the setup of, you know, these girls are going to strip clubs and the random places and picking up guys. They bring them back to the later layer and they have their sex scene. And then some cloaked demon guy comes in and then kills them. And then it all culminates into uh, Will Spanner finally finding this lair. And they have this epic battle where that guy, the the demon guy that's going toe-to-toe with Will Spanner with with finger lightning powers is actually a lizard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He stole Sardoom, yeah. He was a sleuth stack from my Yeah. But he was the core monster villain in the entire series, I think. Oh yes, yeah, he was definitely not the not the best villain, but the best monster villain. There yes, is. the best mm-hmm. villain would have to go to that that warlock, the one that had the only role ever. Yes. <laughs> what is that role? Yeah, he was the best one in this entire series. But this one, I gotta hand it that makeup was actually pretty fucking decent. Yeah, oh, yeah. for their budget, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of the things. That's the thing that I really liked about this movie because I enjoyed it too. Uh, actually, as for you know, for a witchcraft movie, uh, you have to qualify all those. You know? But oh, right. I mean, I really do think you know, and I'm so glad about this too because you know, I hate it when uh, somebody like does a movie and I can't and I have to like bad mouth it after I've dealt with them like Brad and stuff and everything, and I've heard that great interview. But I actually agree with his assessments on what works and what doesn't and everything. And I think that this had like one of the lowest budgets of one of the witchcraft films but he did what he could with limited resources and it it turned out okay i mean it was taken out of his hands in post but you know what he did for the time that he had worked you know it's just a kind of and i think it could have been better if he was allowed to edit it as well well i think you know that interview cleared up some of our assumptions for why some of these films are so disjointed it, yeah. Number nine entirely can be explained away by the fact that more than likely the director had nothing to do with how that film turned out. 
No. And I'm sure that was the case for all of these except for part 11. I think Ron Ford, well, Ron Ford, I know he, in in the blip that he gave us uh, on that same episode, he also had nothing to do with Post, but um, his film turned out great. So it's still my favorite one. This eleven. <laughs> it's an interesting uh, case study, and you know, a, a company just churning out product and not really caring what the end result was. You know, <laughs> um, Brian, what did uh, what did you walk away with this film? Did you end up taking this thing? I liked it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like. Um, and I think Janet uh, Kajizer, the leading lady, ha- had a natural quality. She didn't try to overplay anything. Um, I kind of liked her performance. I, I had interviewed her before um, and asked her briefly about this, and she said she mainly did it to work with Brad Sykes. She wanted to work with him. And also that uh, she had just either wrapped it or was in the middle, middle of making it and went to an audition with a more high-powered casting agent. She said the thing she took away from this is just um, – how badly these movies are looked upon like by the higher populace in Hollywood. It's almost like porn kind of to them. I mean, th- th- there's not a lot of difference between doing something like a witchcraft film to some of the casting directors and the higher ups in Hollywood than, than doing porn. So she, she said it was a really interesting experience wow. um, having that on her resume and having the reactions uh, that people had. That explains a lot why we had such a hard time getting a hold of anyone to actually do more interviews because we reached out and tried finding more people that were involved in these films and nobody wanted to talk. Um, so I mean, that explains a lot. It also explains, I think, why some so many of these people. I mean, every now and then you get somebody who did like a lot of movies, like Delia Shepard and stuff. And actually, that actress that was in this, I think, uh, actually did go on to do quite another, a few other films. Jan, Jan Tracy, yeah, she did quite a bit. She was in, um, oh, like a girl school movie in the name escaping me with Mary Warrenov and mm-hmm. Parasomnia. Yeah, which uh, mm-hmm. came out just a few years ago. So she, she's yeah. the naked nurse chick in the House on Haunted Hill remake. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's just you know, and but I think also we had a lot of people who didn't do anything else. Yeah, you know, we've seen people who just did like one or two things, and often this was like the end of what they did or pretty close to it. And maybe it's because because people had just had this really prejudiced assumption about anybody who'd be involved in these films. And, you know, honestly, yeah, we've seen some bad performances in these films, but a lot of times it's really not the actor's fault for how truly, for how a lot of these films come out, you know, whether they come out good or bad, you know, sometimes the script is bad. Sometimes the editing is terrible. Sometimes the direction doesn't work. You know, it's, it's not all on one person's shoulders, you know? No, and, and the thing is, is the situation is what kind of, you know, makes these films. I bet you this film wasn't any more than 10, maybe 10 to 20 grand max. For 12? To make this film. For 12. For 12? If, wow. if 13 gives me any indication, and I'll, I'll let that out when we get there. Yeah, I bet you it was very little money. Well, remember, this was shot on video. So the need to have a $50,000 budget wasn't there because a vast majority of when you have budgets like that, uh, you're usually shooting on like film, especially with this kind of stuff. There's no need for a $50,000 budget for this kind of film. And if it was, in fact, that much, I'm shocked. 
there's 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 a lot of elements to me that worked really well, but then there were elements like there was one scene where Will Spanner he's been staking out he's he's kind of working again like in part six where the cops have brought him in to try and help out again on a case for no reason he decides to agree to do it and um he's staking out this strip club where the girls are you know picking <laughs> the guys and taking him home and he catches one of the girls in the act chases her out her and the cop corner her in in an alleyway, <laughs> oh, and she scene. tries yes. and she tries to ward them off with a stick and in the most unconvincing, hilarious stick. scene. Like, it is it was a hilariously bad scene. <laughs> it is terrible sh- because she she Dude, doesn't sell it. She doesn't sell it at all, and the editing is so like loose and lazy that it just comes off like. <laughs> it, it, it it's the mo- one of the most unconvincing scenes I've ever seen. It's really good. It, it, it's up there with the one in the part ten, which was the um, kung fu moves in the, the alley. Fight. Moves, yes. uh, but it wasn't quite that bad. But this is like close. I love it because they corner and she's just like, hey, drop it. Pretty shooter. And then, so the guy, I so, so the cops says, "Stop for all shoot, stop for all shoot." You think I'm like, so, and I'm watching this. I'm saying, "Okay, so feel free to shoot her in the leg." And, oh, okay. <laughs> he, he, nope, he just takes her out. Boom! Fatal shot. <laughs> well, no, they, he, he gives her a chest shot, and then when they're interrogating her because she's still alive, she grabs his gun and, in a very good effect that was actually edited well, she shoots herself in the head. Yeah, and there's yeah. a big explosion of blood that comes out the back. I really enjoyed that. That was a good shot, but like he did shoot her in the chest. I mean, it's a miracle that she was even still alive when she hit that ground, though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> yeah. that was a pretty poor decision on his part. Well, that was a threatening so, stick. I mean, that stick was really <laughs> deadly. <laughs> so so glenn what were your overall thoughts of this movie beyond will spanner finally fucking doing something i got i got an angry police chief out of it so that was nice yep there's another one but uh aside from angry police chief and lightning hands i I should have gone back and rewatched part of this because i have notes i don't understand because for some reason i wrote down el luchador del muerto Along with must have been the guy in the mask. In in quotes, I have laser eyes next to it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the bad guys. Yeah, we have laser eyes. Awesome. Yeah, the main bad guy before he was revealed to be the serpent had a mask on. Yep. And then would have when when he would just about get ready to shoot his powers, he his eyes would glow. They'd put an overlay. Not very horribly, not really like they weren't on where the eyes were. They were slightly <laughs> off. Yes. Um, and uh, but yeah. So, yeah, that's where your notes are. I actually side, we don't have to pick on him for that. <laughs> um, he had deadly tear ducts. <laughs> he's thousands of years old. I mean, cut, cut the snake a break. <laughs> it, it wasn't the worst witchcraft movie. <laughs> Um, and and I I love whenever whenever they show cops in any movie where they have the little map with the pins and they go well if you look at the pattern I'm like the pattern looks like a ball sack that's what it looks like (laughs) some of these weird patterns 
but they're never actually a pattern. You look at you like, nope, I'm not seeing what you're seeing, but okay, yep. go ahead. Until they take a marker out and then draw it. Yes. Yes. And that's in a bunch of these movies, including yes. the next movie. Including 13, yeah. Yeah, including. Yes. Can't wait to that. We get Montel Williams cop. <laughs> well let's wrap up witchcraft 12 boys because i have a feeling we'll have a lot more to say about the 13th one than the 12th one is there any final parting words that anyone would like to say about uh uh witchcraft 12 in the layer of the serpent nipple mm. <laughs> nipple ring i did okay. for those who did not catch it earlier <laughs> he takes off his shirt he, they're doing a, a love scene or a sex scene or whatever will passes for whatever will does and he's got one single gold nipple ring and you're thinking geez that's so weird that, that passed in a scene he must not have paid attention nope he has another one it's there dangling in the shower. <laughs> oh, and I couldn't believe it. I was, I, I said like, that's like adds like a whole new layer of kink to this character that I just did not want to know about, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with a nipple, a guy having a nipple ring, but you don't want it in your virtuous warlock hero. <laughs> oh my God. Speaking of where the power lies and those flare pants <laughs> that the first <laughs> Girl war. Okay, so here's a better question. Who want those pants? I think. <laughs> here's a better question. Do you think when he goes to use his his lightning powers out of his fingers, lightning goes between those nipple rings? Probably. That's what that's what I got out of it. Is that's why he. Has- I'm thinking. I'm thinking. What we don't see off camera is that during storms, he charges up by having lightning strike them. <laughs> It's not a nipple ring, it's a capacitor. <laughs> All right. So, boys, I think we, we've just about exhausted Witchcraft 12. Let's go ahead yeah. and finish this bad motherfucker up with Witchcraft 13 Blood of the Chosen. This is the medallion from your parents' covenant that's on the past. I'm not my father. Maybe I feel like that suppresses that dark side of my destiny. I heard some pretty fantastic stories about this very unique lawyer named Will Spann. Is right in the woods, man. 
late to be thinking about that. So Witchcraft 13, Blood of the Chosen, which was shot for $3,000 in 2008 on video. Uh, As we we just kind of said, is virtually the same plot as part 12. Will Spanner, the reluctant heir to a dark legacy, is once again thrown into battle against the forces of evil when a series of gruesome murders begins to take place. The victims are all brutally murdered in a ritualistic fashion, the heart missing from each of the corpses. All of the victims also have something in common with Will, something that the minions of darkness will stop at nothing to possess. Can Will Spanner unravel the mystery surrounding the murders before it's too late, or will he finally succumb to the darkness that courses through his veins? This is from (laughs) imdb.com. In what essentially is the exact same fucking movie, only minus lizards... You gotta admit, though, this was... By far the darkest of the 13 movies. It was dark because you couldn't see anything. Yeah, because you couldn't see, <laughs> yeah. not see a fucking thing. They didn't yes. open the iris up on the they, camera. They should have spent $3,002 and bought a fucking light bulb. I, I, I just keep on remem- I just kept on remembering an old monster vision with Joe Bob Briggs where I think he was talking about Rocktober Blood. And he said, uh, honestly, I don't know what they're ta- what they're talking about in this film. Could have used a few more lights to tell you that, you know. <laughs> so, like, I think it was that every time. Yeah, yeah, it did take a page from Rocktober Blood because it was very hard to see. And the movie opens up with this greasy, long-haired dude uh, mashing up against a, a, a hot brunette in the darkest room I've ever seen. It might as they might as well not even had a light on because it didn't matter. But anyways, they're mashing up against each other, kissing and all this jazz. I usually uh, have a good sense of people, Leandra, but you came out of nowhere. Are you complaining? I don't know. And she notices he has a pendant on and then just rips out his heart and begins to eat it. The movie, all it is, is the same thing where there's girls killing dudes, but this time instead of them just being random horny dudes, they're random horny warlocks. They're trying to take their their hearts and their power to give to their overlord because they're trying to find the chosen one who happens to be a dude that has no qualms with fucking anything that moves will will screw the 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 main bad guy and you know bring about the baby demon of the apocalypse. Um, so it's kind of the same goddamn plot as the last one. Brian, what did you think of this? I've started to watch this before and couldn't get through it, like outside of this marathon event that we've been doing. I just remember all this buzz around it. I, I think the, the the makers and the producers were at Fangoria um, as they were filming it or right after they filmed it. Um, and a, a lot of people were saying how it was going to be the best witchcraft ever. And um, <laughs> I think I was really just disappointed because it, it – was so bad. I actually interviewed uh, director Mel House and uh, we talked a lot about this in the interview. And this is years ago. And he said that he had looked at all 12 previous films to learn what not to do with this film. And I, I couldn't tell that there was any difference between <laughs> this and any of the other films. And granted, I, I think his budget was probably smaller. Um, I know after that 
print interview, which was for RaxonRazors.com. I was hosting a show called Horror Society Live for about six months, and we interviewed him again on that. And the producer uh, said that that was the one thing he would not talk about. He would not talk about Witchcraft 13. So I think obviously something went down between him and producers. So maybe some of it wasn't his fault, just like the other films we've talked about. You know, maybe some of the editing and pacing and all that kind of stuff was done um, without his consent. But uh, I was just thought it was, you know, badly acted and um, the same old story kind of like with, with the rest of them. He actually tried to tie in every single yeah. movie into yeah. this film in as as, as boring <laughs> and in in kind of like samey samey as the plot was. The only way you would have ever gotten any of the references were if you had watched all of the series because yeah. there was really obscure references they even address the fact that lutz changes from a man to a woman in this yes, film. Yes. yes i couldn't believe it i was like <laughs> i used to know detective lutz lucy or her brother well, the whole family actually mm-hmm. yep <laughs> they're two different characters with the same last name, yeah. With the same last name. There's a lot of brother-sister going on in this. Uh, yeah, this, uh, this there is. One, that's for sure. I, oh, I want to know. <laughs> I want to know where all these. I want to know where all these warlocks were for the other twelve films when right. the end of the world was supposed to come. I mean, suddenly we find out Will Spanner is like the head or or nose like. Two dozen warlocks across the country, and they've all got this medallion. I'm like, where the hell did this come from? I'm like, and where the hell were these guys when Will wasn't fighting anyone else, uh, but trying? You know, they're you in know, the city. And, the city is lousy with warlocks. I <laughs> loved how the the blonde kid, kind of, I don't know, a third of the way into the movie, one of his good warlock friends leaves the amulet in Will Spanner's car. Well, it's nighttime. They're in the bar. It's like nighttime. Will Spanner drives away and it's broad daylight out when he finds the amulet. (laughs) He goes back to the bar and it's nighttime again. And his friend has already left. And then the the, the hot little orphan Annie looking chick, you know, kills him on the street. But um, I had to kind of rewind and go, I was like, no. No, but yeah, literally it went from night to broad daylight to night again. I thought that was one of the biggest bloopers in the entire series. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's 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 go. You want to talk about bloopers? Now we we had just discussed that this movie took very painstakes to try and tie this into the rest of the series, but they did a bunch of the tying in the same way that Texas Chainsaw 3D did the same tie in with the original movie where they didn't get a single goddamn thing. Right. Like, (laughs) like supposedly, and I'm going to spoil the, the big twist ending is, you know how I said that uh, Will Spanner, the only thing he had to do to defeat the the evil that was present was to keep his dick in his pants and not fuck anyone. And what does he do? He fails. He fucks the, the wrong person and and it breaks about you know it, it impregnates his sister, who's the main bad guy. His sister. Now let's think about the logistics of his sister. Now, if we go back to Witchcraft One, folks, his parents. That was the first child that they had, and he was adopted, and they never had another child again because the mother kills the father. Mm. And then she goes insane, we are led to believe, in part two and gets put in an insane asylum where she dies, and then Will is adopted by someone else. So you tell me, how the fuck does he have a sister? 
Yeah. Could it have been a half sister, or did they make sure it was? I wasn't paying that close of attention to figure out if it was I, a half sister. I don't sister think or not. they were either. No. Paying attention. <laughs> she did a long speech tying all the names, you know, in that in that yeah. final. Yeah. My name is not Dolores Stevens. It's Dolores Stockton, as in Will Spanner, A.K.A. Will Adams, A.K.A. Will Churchill, and finally your true name. Will Stockton, the ritualistic descendant of our ruler of all that is dark and reigns supreme in the underworld. What the hell are you talking about? You can try to bury who you are by taking on different names and suppressing your evil powers, but you can't hide who you truly are. I'm nothing like you. You're pure evil. There's no way we are the same. You're just as evil as me, Will Spanner. Admit it. It takes every ounce of your being to suppress your evil powers. There's a side of you that you let no one else see. Why fight what comes so naturally? And now our child of pure blood will reign over all, brother. The longest villain monologue. Oh my <laughs> god, it went on forever. Now let's 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 go even deeper into this falsity that is this whole ending speech is that not only was there never any sister so that that's complete and utter bullshit all of these other warlocks are supposed members of the parents coven now let's remember the mother was not part of any coven whatsoever so where the hell did all of these new warlocks pop up, including one that had to be like 19 years old? <laughs> that was one of the uh, weirdest thing was that there was all these warlocks who now are a big, huge group of guys that are spread out all over the area. There was one that was literally in a throwaway scene where one of the chicks goes to to find one of the warlocks and ends up sliming on the guy's uh, drunk college buddy. You gotta be kidding. Who sent you? I'm here for you. Anything you want. Is this some kind of a joke? Why don't you come over here? See how funny I can be. And kills him. And he shows up. The real warlock shows up. And he's like 12. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 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 Derek, you gotta understand. Hogwarts has been doing really well lately. (laughs) (laughs) And when the sorting hat puts you in the spanner house. (laughs) (laughs) Now I just get the sheet of the sorting hat going spatter and the kid going, oh. (laughs) You want to carry on or should we just let you commit suicide here? You know, the feeling I got with this film was, one, yes, they were trying to tie the whole series together, but by introducing this this group of warlocks and implying there's more out there, it was like a setup for 14, which hasn't happened yet, which if anyone wants to help me, I'll be happy to do that. We just need some nudity and a uh, piece of cardboard for a strip club. Uh, But... Okay. I got a card oh. table, Mike. Mark, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure we can make a strip club bar. Oh, we can have a strip really, club poker scene at the beginning that lasts 15 minutes. <laughs> if somebody could fall out of a tree and knock themselves out. There we go. But the feeling I really had was they were tying it up, and I almost had my brain started going because it had to do something. Otherwise, it was going to go screaming out of my skull. But I was like, <laughs> 
they set it up so like Spanner could have been the villain in 14 and then you've got this new group of warlocks who would take on Spanner. Now that's interesting. I know I make it too interesting, but it's, it really felt like they were trying to really tie up the entire series yet keep it open so they could make more witchcraft, not necessarily with Spanner or have Spanner as the bad guy is the feeling I got with it at, at the end because he had that cliffhanger ending, you know, with, with him becoming his, you know, turning to the dark side. And then credits, and you're like, wait, wait, I went through 13 of these fucking movies only to have him be bad? What? <laughs> Why did they know he made me? And it did end like it was, it ended like it was like the penultimate, not yeah. a final chapter, but like this next to the final chapter or the next to the reboot or something. <laughs> and it, and that they would do this new thing, and maybe the next one would be the fight, his struggle with the dark side, or him just turning to the dark side. And I thought, God help me! I actually <laughs> witchcraft fourteen. What the hell? And I'm thinking, oh, I'll do it. Uh, witchcraft and the strip club of doom, uh, the vagina of deceit, whatever they want. To tell the the vagina of deceit. That is the most perfect <laughs> title for a witchcraft movie yes. I've ever heard. I will do it. See, I'm, I'm, a font, I'm a font of ideas here, guys. <laughs> well, well, then let's let's sit and think about this. Then, then, so Will Spanner at the end of this becomes the evil warlock we've been hearing he is ever since the second movie. So, what is the plot of the fourteenth one? Lutz and Garner come to destroy him. They look up one of the new warlock guys that still belongs. You know, that's got the necklace because if you have the necklace, you're a part of the club. Uh, and, and they hire him to go out and bang random chicks and then go fight <laughs> Spanner. Uh, Must bang random chicks. It clearly says that in the Craigslist, in the Craigslist ad. It clearly says that. Are you willing to bang random chicks? If so, call this number now. <laughs> Brian, you were about to say something. Please, my friend, I want to hear. Just um, And maybe this is a budget issue and, and i know it, it's probably an issue with a lot of these films i th think maybe they were just done too straight like forward and almost film like that jerry warren style mm -hmm. like uh i just watched an interview with Catherine victor victor who did um teenage zombies and she said you know it was kind of fun stuff that they did but it was just done the, they set the camera up filmed it boom there it was and it was the most boring cinematography and that might be a budget thing but these movies could have kind of like like with this last one you've got a bunch of semi-hot to, to hot witch babes going around tearing out the hearts of male warlocks and lots of sex you got the young secretary coming on to will spanner i mean there's so much fun and camp and energy that could have been thrown into this to have made it a fun film um and, and probably a lot of them. I think maybe that's the problem with the whole series. They they just played it so like deadpan and, yeah. and so straight that there's fun stuff in, in, in some of this. And particularly I thought in this last one, this could have been a very sexy, fun film, but it was so fucking boring. It was just filmed yeah. so flatly and unconvincingly. I, I mean, you've got the hot young babe coming on to the, the, the mediocrely attractive Will Spanner, but that could have been played with so much, you know, there could have been fun had with that. And it was just so cliche and boring and, and not well acted. The elements are there for some fun and it just fails. Yeah, there's I thought for the most part, um, the acting 
wasn't as bad as some of the other films. Will Spanner was a little milk toast, almost back to uh, the Charles Solomon Will Spanner a little bit. But the worst actor in this, and I hate dogging people, but Roxy Vivander plays one of the, and she's the blondie that plays one of the witches, yeah. is literally one of the most unconvincing actresses in this entire series. She looks, one, like she's 15, and, and two, every time she opens her mouth, is just like, oh, please don't give her any more lines. <laughs> short, short blonde hair? Yeah. Yes. Girl? She's, the one that I, she's the one that I just put in the notes as, like, the chick from Roxette. I just thought yes. she looked like the chick from Roxette. <laughs> she is absolutely gorgeous, but holy crap. Every time she opened her mouth, this movie went just like I checked out of it completely. Megan Fox syndrome. She uh, did something <laughs> funny in her. Oh, sorry, Mark. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Please. I, just uh, I was going to say that she did do something really funny in one of her scenes. Well, the, in the big sex scene, which incidentally, the first like two sex scenes in this movie, there's no nudity in it. And you're just like, oh, they're going for things. And then Will Spanner comes in and just, he's just going to, and it's like, I mean, all across the room, which is like a just barely furnished room with shit over the furniture. Multiple positions. And they're just like begging. And at one time she's riding him. And I swear to God, she is like, she all of a sudden starts fist pumping in the air while she's riding him. You have to. Check it out. She is fist She's pumping in the air. Double baby, baby. She's getting her double baby. She just going, go team, go, go, like just like this fist bump. And while she's doing it, it may I almost fell out of my chair. Oh my god! And that sex scene goes on for probably like five minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah, it seriously goes on forever. Morning, so. See, see, Brian, for, for for what you had brought up, how straight laced this was. Um, there were a few little tiny flourishes, and it was mostly unintentional, I think. And it could have been production reasons why there were some really unintentionally funny lines. Let's bring a couple of them up. There were some of uh, the kills that were actually set up, to, and then there were just random ones that just all of a sudden happened. And one of the the funniest ones where um, all of a sudden we cut to this schlubby dude driving down the street singing (laughs) this this song about wanting to fuck chicks. I'm so desperately lonely Wish there was a woman I could fuck Be so nice if a lady out there would have me but it looks like I'm shit out of luck. But then there was stuff like well, that scene with Roxy where Will's fucking Roxy. All of the dialogue during that scene is all horribly ADR'd. And there's Roxy goes to him. Um, you're the one. <laughs> you bet I am. <laughs> <laughs> It is, it is just fucking atrocious. And the first time, in like part 12, uh, Will Spanner now has the, the ability, uh, the psychic ability to be able to touch objects and see what has transpired uh, just in the recent history. And he touches things and then all of a sudden pulls his hand away like it's burnt. He goes, oh, I hate that shit. And it's just like, oh. I love that. I love that because I thought if this guy had to deal with this these powers and stuff 
that's what he'd do. He wouldn't be like shocked. He wouldn't be, you know, all solemn about it. He'd be like, God damn it. You know, I mean, it would be like those one thing that you just could not stand about the job. Um, the other line that I loved was towards the end is where she says, Will Spanner, <laughs> you are amazing. You're not only the best I've ever had, but the most powerful. First of all, thank you very much, but most powerful what? He says I know that I fuck really good, but please get to the point. <laughs> I, know, I couldn't believe that lie was in there. I'm like, that is unusually humorous for one of these movies. Glenn, you've been pretty quiet in this one. I <laughs> Bring it to me, boy. Let's hear what you got. I don't know, man. This movie had a lot. I mean, you got, as I mentioned in the last one, you got Montel Williams, I think, plays one of the cops. You got, <laughs> who, who dated now, Lutz at one. His whole oh, role God. was that he dated Lutz yeah. in the past. I got to say, I understand you're working with a, with a small budget, but when casting role of cop or detective, try to find a guy without a giant neck tattoo. Yes! <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lee Ving! Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I was like, was he Russian? Russian? Fire Lasso shows have been this, and you got plenty of the whole uh, Molaram part rippy stuff going on, and you got Bob Marley spouting out answers for uh, for Spanner. <laughs> His buddy, the Rasta Warlock. Yeah, the Rasta. We've also never seen him before. They, they tried cramming too much in here. And, and yeah, and the whole thing at the end where I'm like, it's his fucking sister. How, how, the, how the fuck is that possible? <laughs> so you watched all 12 of these movies and decided to just say, you know what? Nobody's actually done this and watched all these movies. I'm going to fib some of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> what are the chances of, say, like, even, like, say, like, even five other people getting together and deciding to watch all these movies? It's never going to fucking <laughs> We're the only ones that have paid attention to any continuity or lack thereof with these films ever. This one was this one was just uh, yeah, like Glenn said, too much. They they put too much into this. Uh, it, you know, it felt like they were trying to wrap up yet restart the series or set it up for a whole new batch of these films. Uh, and it just it fails horribly to where at the end we go. We've waited all this time for this. Spanner is finally using powers, and he's become evil. Thanks. You know, he, he was evil in number one when he was a baby. What the hell? I had more fun with all the stuff I came up with in my head that would have made this movie more fun. Yes. And a lot of it, yes. is, it plays into what, what Brian said, where they, took, they played this one too straight. God, this yeah. would have been a great comedy. Oh, by, 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 yeah. by so many different things. I mean, the whole, all the Harvard meetings, as I said, they could have totally done a kind of uh, Temple of Doom thing riff on that. The whole, uh, the whole sister thing, I would have, part of, part of me, when, when I found that out, I'm just, I'm picturing like this, the ghostly entities of like a couple other, of the other deceased warlocks, or maybe some of the women that have died due to uh, Will Spanner's, you know, fucking ineptitude in the other movies. <laughs> what do I mean, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, it kind of hinting at the fact that he has a sister, you know, with the whole, no, there is another, you know, something like that. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just they, they, they played it way too straight, and, yeah, and then the fact that, so your budget's $3,000, and part of me says, 
do, did they realize that they could use things that they didn't buy with that three thousand? Like you know, if if you already owned a chair, you could use it on, on a set. If you, if it was your chair, you can use it. If you have a lamp, you could have brought that. You know, did no one have a desk lamp in their house that they could have loaned? But Glenn, don't you think it's more convincing for the characters to sit on the floor? Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, by thirteen, this had such potential. Like Glenn said, of being a comedy, they could have played up to all the tropes that we've seen. That very few of us who've watched all these films, they could have just poked fun at the tropes all together. Uh, you know, and probably made it a very entertaining film rather than just something that was that was there, that was just meh. It's like we've come to this. <laughs> well, in, in in the defense, I'm sure what ended up happening is that Jerry Pfeiffer probably wasn't interested in that kind of film. They still wanted to market a titty film. I mean, even though it's a very small percentage of this film compared to the rest of them, it still essentially was a titty film. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, what it, this was still sleazy and it was cheesy. Uh, it occasionally had nice editing flourishes and dolly shots and jib shots, but overall it had horrible audio. It was so dark and it could just be a transfer issue that it was just like the transfer was just horribly dark. Um, the motion, like the special effects were the cheesiest stock particle effects that you find in an old version of motion. It's terrible. The color correction was all over the place there. There's one of the most boring, horrible car chase sequences um, oh in the entire series. Oh God. Which apparently took hours. They were apparently yeah, it, it went into hours. night. Yeah, perfect ending for this would have been to have uh, that bald cop from the freeze movie just show up at the end when Will goes evil. Go, you know what? Fuck this. I'm done. And just shoot him in the head. Take a gun. Shoot him. <laughs> we're done. We're done. <laughs> what do you got there, Glenn? <laughs> Put down the gun, Glenn. Put down. The we, we haven't rounded out our final thoughts on the entire series yet. Please, hold out for me, my Come friend. On, we love you. Come on, man. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. <laughs> so, before I, before I, um, I round this uh, movie out in the director's words, because I did find a post that he had written on Dread Central when uh, Dread Central did a review of this film. The director chimed in in the comments, and I want to read his his defense. Any last thoughts on Witchcraft 13, the final film that we have to watch of this series, hopefully ever? It does have the most impressive credit sequence of any of the witchcraft films, and I'm pretty sure that's where all the money went. Will Spanner does do something in this movie that he has never done before. He actually turns a girl down for sex. Yes. Yes. And yes. But he does I fuck the wrong person. It's the only thing him. he had to do was not fuck the main demon, and he fails. <laughs> he fails. I love how you say that. Because I mean, that's a pretty easy one, dude. Because I thought thought he was like being like like oh my god they're trying to show him as like being like virtuous he's not the remorseless pussy hound he's been in these like first few uh, tons of movies, you know and this is after like some really like porn dialogue and everything else he's like oh he's still nope he still gets more ass in the toilet seat and does he fails and like not 
sticking his dick in the mean demon, who incidentally, whether he's evil or not by the end, yay, you won, but not for nothing. You nailed your sister, dude. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he, when we last see him, his head is bowed down. It's like, oh, it better be bowed down, dude. You, you've now hit so many, you've now tapped so much ass in this city now that you have actually inadvertently gone to your own family members. Drats. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and you know aside from the uh, aside from wondering why the red-headed demon was the only one who got the cool cat contacts uh, i don't have anything else. well to wrap this one up in which i actually found this one surprisingly the last three films in this series were actually some of the best movies Agreed. of the entire series yeah um the, i found this one uh, mildly entertaining it, because of all of the throwbacks and because unfortunately I have all of this useless witchcraft knowledge now up in my brain <laughs> that I'm hoping through, through lots of drinking goes away eventually. And maybe I'll, I'll, I'll force it out with some uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis movies this weekend that this was kind of engaging slightly. Like it was trying to do something even though it was sloppily trying to do something, it was trying to do something. So I kind of got to give it thumbs up on that. But overall, yeah, it's a pretty fucking boring movie. Um, so in uh, defense of uh, Melhouse on the Dread Central Witchcraft 13 comment board, here's what Mel had to say. In my defense on actually taking the gig, at the time, 2005, I had very few directing credits. I saw it as a chance to have a movie get out there and get distributed, and I'm sure a lot of nobody indie directors would have done the same thing. Of course, I foolishly thought I could elevate the franchise. Ha! Not on a $3,000 budget. (laughs) So... You know, I think that's kind of the story of the entire series is that Jerry Pfeiffer gave a chance to lots of up and coming directors that wanted that shot, gave them peanuts to work with, and then just, you know, gave it to an editor who just probably had an extremely tight deadline to throw something together with stock footage and, you know, bamboo sticks and paper clips and whatever and then just crank something out there with a nice cover so witchcraft 13 we can officially put it in the books so let's take a short break and we'll come back with our final thoughts on the series in which we're going to give our final lists of ranking and then i'm going to give time for each and every last person on this panel to get it out of their system. One final rant. Witchcraft, you are fucked now. Let's take a break.
Hey, good looking. Wanna date? Are you looking for a sleazy good time? Then check out the podcast that gives you more half and half bang for your buck than any other show out there. Exploited Cinema. Join hosts Bat32, Dale Roy, and The Goat as they bring you sleazy and cheesy movie reviews each month. They'll also bring you engrossing interviews with indie filmmakers and horror historians. So what are you waiting for? Put your money on the dresser and get busy or else stop wasting my time. I need a man-sized podcast, not one for little boys. And that means exploited cinema. Listen up, suckers. Visit Exploited Cinema today at www.exploitedcinema.blogspot.com. You dig? Here we go. You asked for it. No, actually, you didn't ask for it at all. But we're each going to give you our top three witchcraft films that if you decide to watch any of these things, and I feel sorry for you. We kind of <laughs> took a bullet for all you guys with these episodes. So we're going to give you our top three and our worst witchcraft film, the one to absolutely fucking avoid like the plague. So let's start off, Mr. Brian Kirst. What were the top three witchcraft films for you? I have a feeling mine might be are going to be different than everyone else's. Uh, 10, 11, and 9. Those were those were good ones. Uh, Mark, go for <laughs> You're it. You're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because I'm going to disagree pretty soon about the about one of those. I'm um, nine. Mark it's it's ghost. It's it. ghost with a hooker. Come on. How can you not like that? Uh, I will let you know why in a second. I uh, you totally <laughs> will. You totally will. I know it. Break my heart again. <laughs> Mark the movie man. I, I like. I liked Eleven. I enjoyed the one in Britain. Which one was that? Ten. <laughs> Ten. Ten. <laughs> and and I enjoyed I enjoyed eight with the big rubber bat. Number that eight. was seven. That was oh, seven. That was, or, or seven. That was which, yeah, seven sorry, judgment that's, hour. That's right. That's right, because eight had nothing to do with the series whatsoever. Yeah, okay, yep. I'm sorry. Seven. So, dear yes, listeners of Astro Radio Z, if you you hear a little confusion in our voices as we're trying to spit these out, it's because all of them are the same fucking movie, for Christ's sake. <laughs> it's really hard. It's really hard yeah. making back. They, they all blend together. But, yeah, I can only put it as the Big Rubber Bat one, which was seven, where Spanner gets it, supposedly. Uh, yeah, the one in Britain I enjoyed, and I especially enjoyed, uh, was it, uh, not 11, I'm sorry, 12. 12 I enjoyed so cool uh Scott go for it top three best one 11 followed by 12 and six for me very I'm mean, the only one who liked six but I liked six yes. that was in my top five but uh oh, not my top three uh Glenn give me your top three sir all right number one is eight because oh. the only one 
that is not like every other one. <laughs> it no, is, it was like Amityville Horror. It is not a witchcraft yes. movie, which made me very happy by the time we reached number eight. I think I would go number 11. Ah, oh, fuck me. Um. Pain. Pain. <laughs> it's like breaking the seven Pain. levels of hell. I mean, <laughs> I'd probably, you know what? I would probably say two. Because it oh, was such a go. step up from number one. Oh my gosh. Mm. I can't believe this. I think you guys <laughs> are all forgetting something here. No, no, no. Not uh, not two. Uh, the one with the overacting warlock dude. Yes. Thank you. Oh. Uh, yes. Number five. 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 That's the one. Five. Uh, I even five. mentioned him earlier. Yes. <laughs> I, like, yes. I like to revise my list and choose five. Thank you. I forgot about five. Okay. Yes. All right. So I didn't like five, honestly. I'm, I think I'm the only one in the spirit that didn't really like five. Even though you thought it had arguably the hottest Will Spanner in the entire series? Yeah. Yeah. The, I, <laughs> I, I was not a huge, huge. Yeah. Oh, so here we go. Here's my top three. Astro Radio Z top three witchcraft films. Drum roll, please. <laughs> Number one was Sisters in Blood. Number 11, Ron Ford's Inclusion, which basically was a full moon movie if, if done on a shoestring budget, which is really saying something. Number two is Dance with the Devil, number five, which was just a straight out-and-out sleazeball titty flick with high camp with a, a lead demon that, that was just chewing up scenery left and right. Um <laughs> Real those two films, honestly, if you are going to watch any of the witchcraft films, just because you can jump in at any point and there's no frame of reference, what you watch those two. And then yeah. number three is Mr. Brad Sykes entry number twelve in the layer of the serpent. Because it like the, the previous two, they were it was kind of fun. Mm -hmm. So that's my top three. Now Let's get to the most venomous decision, the worst witchcraft movie, the, the movie where if you had to choose to take an entire pile of every copy of this film and burn it, throw toss lighter fluid on it and just throw the match, which one would that be, Scott? I'm still saying it's part one. It That was the one. It was so boring. It did nothing new. It did nothing inventive. It didn't even have any sex or violence to alleviate the proceedings. It was just a bad Rosemary's Baby ripoff. And it, it, it was just interminable. I, I actually felt like every other movie in this series, by comparison, was, well, at least it's not as boring as part one. So part one is still the worst, in my opinion. So I've always found that view very interesting because it actually had a story compared to the rest of these pieces of shit. It had somebody else's story. <laughs> True story. Um, Mark the Movie Man, your worst. Was it four with Brink Stevens? Brink Stevens is not in any of these. Films. Julie, sorry. <laughs> my girl, Julie, Julie. Strange, sorry, girl Julie. Sorry, Julie. I am. I'm sorry, Julie Strain. That um, is number four. I, the Virgin Heart. Yes. 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 Four. Thank you. For me, four was was the worst one because I just yeah, I couldn't. It was that was tough to get through. That really was for me. Even out of all these, uh, you know, that one. 
because that had the didn't have the awkward rape scene where Spanner's in the closet and yeah the blue velvet the blue velvet scene the blue velvet throwback scene yeah that's that's it yeah I just that one really really out of all of them was the one that I just sat there and go yeah this is just as bad this is really they've given up on the series at number four was, was where you get that clue that they aren't even trying uh, anymore. And so, yeah, for me, four Glenn Bentner, the worst nine, (laughs) nine. Oh, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) do you want to say anything more than just nine? Apparently dying makes you gain a hundred (laughs) pounds. And curl beard. (laughs) Long <laughs> here. All right, number nine for Mr. Glenn. Brian, give me your worst. Well, this is kind of my flashpoint leading into the new Fifty Two as well, because if this one didn't exist, the whole series wouldn't exist. But um, it's got to be number one as well, just like Scott. I, I just Yay. thought you know that there's it was just so boring. I I, I don't understand how that movie became so popular that it spawned all this because there was just story or not. That was boring as anything I've sat through. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's kind of, I think the witchcraft series is going to be one of life's grand mysteries. Like how did it spawn so many sequels from such a boring original film? You have good cover. art can only do so much, you know? Right, there's a lot of stupid motherfuckers that went out there and spent money on this goddamn movie. That's why. It's like that. It's almost like that Devil's Due movie that came out a, a few winters ago. Oh, um, yeah, that was terrible. That, or, or the, the no, Double Inside. Was, I'm sorry, the Double Inside that came out. I was going to say Double like, Inside. Everyone who saw yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. "What the fuck? This is the stupidest thing ever." But it was the biggest movie that January and February. It made tons of yeah. money. That that double inside, but everyone who saw it was just like, "Oh my god, I can't believe I just sat through that." But people kept uh, on going to see it. Yep, same thing here. My worst. I'm agreeing with Glenn Benner here. Number nine is one of the top worst movies <laughs> I've ever seen in my whole fucking life. It 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 is shot on video. It's film. It tries to tie itself into a previous movie, but doesn't get a single detail right. The first half hour of it is the most boring and unappealing sex scenes with a stripper who, for some reason, can communicate with spirits. It's <laughs> it's pointless. It's illogical. It's and awesome. Boring <laughs> as fucking sin. It is it's a horrible, 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 horrible film that I don't recommend a single person watching ever. Um, so there it is. We, we've given you our recommendations. If you decide to go forward and uh, through listening to us babble on for I put together all the episodes. If we you just sat and listened to us talk about the movies proper, you got about nine hours worth of witchcraft. <laughs> conversation we literally have gone through more spent more time with this series than probably anyone on fucking earth and that's including jerry pfeiffer who made these goddamn movies Derek, be honest we spent more time going over this than any of the script writers did for all 13 movies (laughs) (laughs) so if you were to actually you know find what we had to say humorous 
I mean, check out the ones we recommended, except for, of course, Brian said number nine. Don't wreck. I don't that. <laughs> just get that all together. I love you, Brian, but you're way off on this. One. Dude, she pulls strawberries from her veg. So stripper, it's a hooker. Fruity veg. Yeah. Fruity yeah. veg. <laughs> So let's end this properly by giving our final epitaph to witchcraft. Each and every one of us are going to take the time to be able to vent our frustrations, shout, say anything we want to about this. I'm going to start it off, though, with one of our uh, fellow members of Astro Radio Z that couldn't unfortunately be on this episode or any of the witchcraft episodes. Just bad scheduling and bad timing and bad health. She actually sat and watched with her husband every one of these movies and then couldn't be on the episodes. Uh. It's um, one of the great tragedies of our generation that this happened. Um, I feel horrible. Like I should send her a care package in the mail for actually doing this with us. But uh, Miss Tanya Atomic <laughs> sent us a little blurb that I'm going to read now. That is her thoughts on the witchcraft series. The Witchcraft series was a tedious ordeal. The movies are slow moving and dry. The later the series goes, the more they seem like excuses for nudity and sex scenes. Even with tons of nudity and sex scenes thrown in, they just don't have much to hold interest. There isn't much actual witchcraft in the series either. By the time we got to the last few ones, my mind was mush, and I honestly couldn't remember much about either. I do remember that there was a clever reveal with the snake face guy in 12. I thought at first that that his costume was some sort of no-budget cheesy deal with a hood, but then at the end it's revealed he has a snake face underneath. Whether that was intended to surprise the audience or not, I don't know. Anyways, the last movie, nope, I couldn't tell you anything about it. <laughs> I can't remember. I felt like going through the series was a chore, like going through some hard times with you guys. And nope, not cathartic, just a chore. One more thing that I can say I got out of it all was discovering and meeting Ron Ford, the director of Part 11. She did, in fact, was the contact that got us in with Ron Ford. So yes, she got to meet him. Uh, he's such a talent and such a nice guy to do it all again, just to know him. I will always be thankful that I know Ron in his movies as a result of this experience. Tanya, I thank you for doing this. I feel awful. I would have loved to have had your viewpoint on <laughs> these films with us, but it just wasn't meant to be. So um, I owe you big time. <laughs> so, Brian, Mr. Brian Curse, big gay horror fan. Tell me about your experience with the witchcraft films and your parting final thoughts. And let's please you you put the final stamp on your life with the witchcraft series. <laughs> oh. You know, it's, it's, it's actually been kind of fun, you know, and and. Um, my big entry, I think, into really becoming obsessed with the horror films was like the 80s and 90s with all the B-movie babes. And there were some cool B-movie babes in this. They weren't great films by any means, but overall, it's just been fun, uh, a fun adventure with fellow film lovers and filmmakers and journalists and bloggers like you guys. It's really been a great experience overall. And um, just to put my final stamp on it, I, I think I've kind of discovered my new obsession, too. I'm going to totally... Um, 
hunt down my new favorite person in the world, uh, and uh, I'm going to have her strap those big things down and have her come to Chicago, and we're going to make a movie called Bang My Big Gay Horror Ass. So <laughs> I've got my new, my new goal in life in this, actually. So there you go. <laughs> thank you, Brian. I thank you so much for, for agreeing to let me torture you for a few minutes. So thank you. That was great. Glenn, now is your time, buddy. Let loose. And if you can, I want your top 10 on the Witchcraft series. Um, Okay. Well, first of all, the definition or one of the definitions of insanity is repeating the same thing over and over again, expecting a different (laughs) result. And not only were we insane for watching all of these, they were insane for making all of these. I don't know. I, I, I am boggled even with the minuscule budgets how they made any money off of this to keep doing them i just i am baffled baffled beyond belief on a scale of one to ten oh man it's uh it's like an anal fisher when you're asleep when you're asleep like really asleep it doesn't bother you much like <laughs> don't bother you when i'm in a deep deep sleep other than that, they are persistent pain in my ass for the last, what, I don't know, what, 90 months? How long have we been doing this? 12 years? <laughs> I sure felt that way. You know, and, and even though I they were the you know, my, my top three, I don't recommend anyone going to watch any of these. Really don't. There, there is so much more out there that you can watch. We, we as Derek said, we took a bullet for you. We took 13 bullets for you <laughs> don't make us have taken those bullets in vain go watch something <laughs> even mediocre thank you glad thank you you put it well mark the movie man give it to me <laughs> what's most frustrating about a series like this is you look at a the, these movies and none of them like everyone says none of them are good Not, none of them are, are what i would recommend someone watch if they're looking for for lower budget films to introduce themselves or just even to watch while drinking heavily. Uh, what frustrates me with films like this is you see if this series go on so long and how these films got distribution and I'm going to get on a soapbox here and you see so many other good indie films made on lower budget that don't see the light of day past a festival. And yet they can crank out 13 of the worst pieces of crap to hit, you know, low budget cinema. And yet you, you've got some other great stuff out there that doesn't get picked up because of, for whatever reason, uh, you know, it's frustrating. It it really is because, uh, I mean, this, this stuff didn't even, most of it even qualified to be on Skinamax at midnight. I mean, Emmanuel series is better than this. Not that I watched any of those, but um, right. <laughs> but I mean, sorry. But I mean, go ahead. Really? No, no. But there's so many. It just it, it is. It you look at this and you go, how did they make money? How did they even justify bringing this to a table and saying we're gonna make this movie? You know, and have them go for so long and justify the money, even the low budget, to produce these 
things when that money could have gone to uh, distribution for a film that was actually good, you know? And I, I think that's what gets me with these films is you look at these popular low budget films, some of them that are just awful. And you're like, how did they get distribution? You know, uh, how did they get out there in the world? It, it, it just baffles me. So yeah, witchcraft, I wouldn't allow, you know, recommend it to anyone. I'm not going to watch them again. Uh, if you run across them while flipping through your channels on cable, keep flipping uh, because it'll be more entertaining going through your 100 channels of nothing than watching the 13 films of witchcraft. That was very well done. Scott Davis, I know you have a tirade of brewing. What? I'm going to let you have it. You know, <laughs> not really. Not really is the weird thing. Is that I'm not going to be as like – dark <laughs> so why you guys were. sorry I, I no no i mean no i mean no it was no honestly really heartfelt and i totally agree with a lot of those things i i feel like way when i see um a lot of films that are wasted money especially like the big budget things because you think how many movies i've seen with that i say i can literally think of you being able to finance about 50 movies for that you know with a bunch of men. but here's the thing this movie well, it does feel like you've accomplished something when you've gotten through them all, doesn't it? I mean, it, it's it, it feels like I would like to say that it feels like graduation or something like that. Except when I got done with um, school and uh, high school, college, college again, uh, whenever I did those, it I got to tell you. I was always like really, really happy to see those things just be in the distance. And you'd expect me to think the same thing here, but I don't. Um, I honestly am, feel, I feel a little melancholy about the thing, really kind of bittersweet because there are a lot of different there, and no, yeah, none of them are the classical definition of good, definitely, as everybody else says. But they go. The series goes from being, you know, terrible in some installments, just just completely awfully unwatchable, and somewhere you look back at them and say, "Yeah, but remember this?" Like, oh my gosh! And you know what? It was really painful when you went through it. It was really painful when you went through it. But you can think back and think, "Yeah, but remember that?" Honestly, I got done with part thirteen. I said, "God, now what am I going to do with my life?" <laughs> 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 I mean, please, people, let's do witchcraft already. Don't make me go out and meet people, okay? Don't make me do that. <laughs> I mean, because I watched this, I was like, wow, this is, I'm done. Witchcraft is done. You know, Will Spanner is history. The series is history. They're never going to do a part 14, not at this rate. Yeah. And I'm thinking, wow, what am I going to do? I'm thinking like, oh, God, uh, Leprechaun? No, that's not, that can't compare to, you know, uh, Psychic Hookers? No. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, know you, you just gave me an idea there, Mark, with the Emmanuel things. I thought, Emmanuel versus Dracula. I know I have that somewhere. And that is the closest <laughs> thing I can pick up in my collection to witchcraft. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, I, I'm kind of bittersweet about it. I, I am so thrilled that I was asked to participate with this. Derek, thank you so much. I'm so thrilled that we could 
uh, all go through this together as painful as it was and everything like that. And I'm so th- thrilled that we made it through all these movies. At this, and I think that they were really, really awfully, awfully painful. Um, like an anal fissure, as Glenn said. <laughs> but, uh, honest, but honestly, I would be remiss if I didn't say that there's a small part of me that's God help me is going to actually miss those bad flame effects and the <laughs> endless plot of some evil temptress with silicone jugs who's working for some uh, theater drama teacher reject in a, in a bad wig, you know, who's trying to take over the world and then is saved by moon lightning. As <laughs> you know, maybe I will miss some of that, you know, why not? But I'm happy to go on through it, but honestly, I'm of two minds about saying goodbye to witchcraft. That's it. Well, I I thank you for for being very kind <laughs> to me about about this experience. It was a process. It was it, it, was, it was an experience. You know, it was it, what, it, the, what the hippies used to call a happening. <laughs> it's a piece of cinematic history that probably gets ignored. And now that we've gone through it, we can say we've gone through it, and we've experienced a piece of that cinema that's forgotten, which is. The witchcraft series. It will now, die. It will go into oblivion. It now, will. Now there are now there are some that say, uh, including on this panel, that say they should be forgotten. <laughs> but still, it there it is. Yeah. Um, my wife, who Astro Radio Z listeners now are familiar with from the DNT episodes, she thought the same thing I did: is that us five. I should make a T-shirt, an Astro Radio T- uh, Z. T- I can't even see my own show right. Astro Radio <laughs> Z T-shirt for that says Astro Radio Z. I survived the witchcraft series, and um, oh. I, I honestly am thinking to, of making this. I would for you wear gents. that with pride, man. <laughs> <laughs> but um, okay, so I'll, I'll kind of give you my final parting thoughts about this. And uh, I can't really elaborate on what you gents said because I, I share your your feelings, your frustrations, your, your backhanded compliments to the series. But uh, I'm going to take it from a different angle. Picture 1991. I had been a long video store uh, freak and obsessed kid. I loved horror films loved obsessing over films and trying to find films that I'd never found or ever heard of before and was always on the lookout for stuff that that looked strange and weird and that nobody talked about and loved discovering that stuff and showing it to my brother and showing it to anyone that I possibly could. And I always remember walking into video stores and seeing these covers of these films with these big titted chicks and muscle bound dudes and pentagrams on them. And always was very curious about what they were, but because my tastes were never of the sleazy TNA type variety, never picked them up, never rented them. And, uh, they fell into obscurity, but I was always very curious as to what this witchcraft series was now 
having forced myself because I am sort of a masochist with films and I do like a challenge. And sometimes that's be, and it may be because I am a shot on video fan and, and I like a lot of movies that most people would consider awful. I do like the mystery and the chance of picking up films and not knowing what they're going to be and have them surprise me. So doing this, I would have eventually watched these movies anyway at some point, just because I'm that type of film viewer. But forcing myself to watch these, I can't not say that it was in some weird, demented way, sort of enjoyable to go on. And I kind of did look forward to after we would wrap an episode on four films, I did look forward to seeing what was next and hoping with all of my heart that there would be something decent around the corner and there never was. And in, in general, my thoughts are that the witchcraft series was solely sold on the covers and that's it. There was a lot of people out there during the time when these were in the heyday. And the reason why they kept, you know, being sold was because they were acceptable porn for people that didn't want to go to the back rooms in the video store and buy or rent actual pornography. Kids that were in junior high school and high school could bring up this horror movie to their parents. They could take it up to the counter and rent them and then take them home and beat off to them because they weren't porn, but the kids knew what they were. So that's why the, these spanned, a, why they spanned a 13s beyond me, because by the time the last three or four of them were out, I can't imagine they were making a ton of money on these movies. Um, but the first five or so was during the heyday of you know the video store so i understand why these bloomed but um honestly as most of the rest of the boys said i don't recommend you actually watching going out and watching any of these and i'm sure the filmmakers themselves would also they they don't really look back too fondly on any of these movies they're they're boring they they are mostly plotless. Uh, they're excuses to have large-breasted chicks, and if that's your thing, I mean, I'm not gonna take that away from you. But you know, just every five minutes or every ten minutes or whatever, have some softcore scene where two people are just rubbing up on each other for another five minutes. If that's your kind of thing, by all means, go for it. But I honestly believe these films in 15 or so years are going to fade into cinematic oblivion. And we will all, all that'll be left are episodes of Astro Radio Z <laughs> where five, some could say quote unquote idiotic men decided to, to sit and watch these films and speak endlessly about them. So in closing, I thank you guys so much for doing this with me. I've had numerous people asking me, well, what's next? I love these witchcraft episodes. You guys got to do another franchise. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to wait on that until next year. And maybe next year we'll maybe every year, if I decide to keep doing this podcast, we'll choose another franchise to go through. We're we'll figure that on our own. We're not going to sit and try and hammer that out now um, because I am too impulsive. And by time we actually get around to doing this again, I will have changed my thoughts completely and I won't want to do it. So um, witchcraft, we are finally done. 
No more. I'm not seeking out any more interviews. I'm not doing anything. I've already noticed that the witchcraft virus has been invading other podcasts with us on film jerks. I've heard references on the spoiler room. I've heard references. I've, it's Will Spanner is now firmly in our DNA and it's yeah. repulsive. To me. So I'm a warlock. <laughs> I have powers. <laughs> so, boys, again, I thank you, listeners of Astro Radio Z that have ridden with us this entire time. I thank you for all the feedback that you've been getting on. I hope you've enjoyed this. I am going to put out a mega cut of all of this for you sadists out there um, to sit and listen to the whole thing. If you don't want to go back and listen God. to us ramble on and on, it's going to be an epic thing. <laughs> I think just for the you know the funsies of it of having a nine hour episode out there is it makes me laugh to no end. Um, so you'll you'll probably be more than likely be able to find that on astroradioz.com. Go there in the next month or so, and I'm sure I'll have it up. But let's round this episode out, boys. Let's do the pimpage and uh, let's. Let's shut the coffin door on this thing and the or the strip club door um, on, on witchcraft. So, Scott Davis, where can the listeners of Astro Radio Z find you? Uh, you can uh, catch my uh, uh, web series Movieocrity on Vimeo and YouTube. That's my salute to exploitation films and what I also also my condemnation of the boring nature of mainstream cinema. Uh, also, uh, check out some of my old writings on filmgeekcentral.com. I might be doing some new ones pretty soon. And I did just start a new podcast this week. They're going to be single interview, think single movie reviews called Cinema Obsession, uh, which you can look up on uh, Podomatic is on there now. And hopefully it's going to be on iTunes and everything else there. So uh, that's uh, three things that you get to deal with me on so lucky you (laughs) (laughs) awesome mark the movie man oh well you can find me on my channel uh, youtube.com slash special mark where you got episodes of the final cut the movie review show i do where i review anything uh just about uh and we also have um a google hangout slash podcast we do called spoiler room which uh, i think just about everyone here has been on i haven't had brian on yet but we're working on that uh like to have you on an episode sometime but the spoiler room which is a podcast where we we discuss certain topics that i come up with uh for movies in general we don't just uh, talk about one film kind of like asteroid z and then you can find me mainly now on WeLiveFilm.com, where I host Horror Thursdays, where I reach many, many people on that website. And uh, they haven't regretted yet putting me in charge of the Horror Thursdays, though I did uh, review a trauma film. And I recently reviewed uh, this week is going to be the Biker Warrior Babes versus the Zombie Babies from Hell. So if that Ooh. episode if that episode doesn't get me kicked off of We Live Film, I will still be there uh, doing Horror Thursdays as well as other reviews. And uh, yeah, and Spoiler Room is now on iTunes as well as Stitcher. So Awesome. All exciting stuff. Glenn, please give me where we can find your reviews and please pimp your movies. Go. Uh, you can find my reviews on YouTube under the B-Movie Bunker. Um, I also am, as Mark pointed out, I am on the Spoiler Room. I am also a member of the Film Jerks. And my films, I am actually shooting 
in theory, two short films this summer. Uh, the first one is actually supposed to happen in 11 days. Those hopefully will be premiering at some point this fall, possibly the Oshkosh Horror Film Festival, if John will accept me and I actually get them done. And you can also keep up with my latest news, probably the best way right now uh, until I get my Facebook pages up and running properly. It's just on Twitter. I am Naked Hobo. Brian. My dear friend and one of the best people I've ever met on this weird planet Earth, give me the pimpage oh, where oh. everyone can find you. Uh, check out uh, Big Gay Horror Fan on Facebook. Um, I post all the columns I write, uh, stuff like that there. Um, if you're looking for a book on obscure horror films, uh, Hidden Horror, I have an essay in that, and that just won the award for best book. So that's available on Amazon, and that's getting a lot of press now, and Fangoria and Rue Morgue and things like that. And uh, there's a lot of great in that as well. So, yeah. And uh, if you're into theater, uh, I'm the theater theater editor for Sheridan Road Magazine here in Chicago, and my reviews and stay on SheridanRoadMagazine.com. So there's that. And, of course, as always, I am Derek Carey, your host of Astro Radio Z. I also run another podcast called Film Jerks, where all of us are involved in that. That's a Facebook group. You can go and join it. We all sit and pick as a group one film to watch. Uh, then we sit and have a podcast where we talk about it. So go join Film Jerks. It's on Stitcher and iTunes and all that jazz. Astro Radio Z, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, BlackBerry, Tuned In. Anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can find Astro Radio Z. There's also a website, astroradioz.com. If you go there, you can find all of the episodes all the ancillary podcasts, Film Jerks, The Stooge Cast, blah, 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 blah. You can also, and this is something that I kind of talked about in the last DNT episode, there's a function on the main page where you can leave me a voicemail. Go there. Leave me a voicemail. Tell me what you think about the episodes. Bitch at me. Tell us how much you suck. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I don't care. Just talk to us. We'll play that goddamn shit on the, on the show in future episodes. So... Beyond that, obviously, I make some movies. Uh, we have a, a new one that we're just about wrapping up with called Hole in the Wall, which is a Wisconsin-based horror anthology with myself as a director, Corey J. Udler, the director of the Incest Death Squad series, and the, and the recently released amazing flick, The Girl Who Played with the Dead. Greg Johnson, who's the star of the majority of all of Corey's movies, he directs one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life, <laughs> Hole in the Wall. And Carolyn Baker and Rob Michaels, the team behind Screaming Like Banshees, also direct two pieces for Hole in the Wall. So please, we'll be hitting the, the festivals and the conventions with it second half of this year, Hole in the Wall. Check it out. Stick with me. Go to the Facebook page. Catch me on Facebook and Twitter, and I'll tell you all about it. In October, finally, Swamphead gets a retail nationwide release through Wild Eye Entertainment. Um, the, the artwork was finally dropped on uh, DreadCentral.com this week, and uh, Devin Whitehead, who this is a really funny story, uh, that, uh, that he actually did the artwork. It's amazing. It's like beyond what I could have ever thought we would have got for this stupid little movie. Um, Devin Whitehead uh, did it for us. He is the guy in 
Jason Collum in uh, my documentary we did for the Slumber Party Massacre series. He is the 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 gentleman with the really high hair that found the original Slumber Party Massacre house in the documentary. So the fact that the world, everything is so secular, the world's such a small place. He ended up doing the artwork for Swamphead. I found that really strange and pretty awesome, actually. So in October, keep a lookout. Swamphead's going to invade the United States. So please take a look out for that if you like stupid monster on the loose films. So from me and all my gents here, thank you for putting up with four witchcraft episodes and you'll be hearing some more astral radio z in the future thanks for tuning in see you next time